Well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is, of course, the American Soccer Podcast, in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the women's and men's national team. Oh, it was a good one. I'm Clayton, and I'm a rapper. I'm Kwame. I'm a very happy doctor. Welcome to a double feature. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. Is your website a headache for your organization? A slow or hard-to-use website drives customers away, but Cantilever can help. Our dedicated support department can act as your in-house team, handling everything from system upgrades to speed improvements to major design changes. We've been in business since 2011 and have maintained sites for clients like IBM, Esquire Magazine, and Flatiron School. You can access Cantilever's top-notch design and development talent without the cost and overhead of a full-time hire. Plans start at just $2,000 a year and are customized to suit your needs and budget. To get started with Cantilever, visit cantilever.co slash WTP. That's cantilever.co slash Whiskey Tango Papa. Folks, the games was a dose. There was a dose of games, and uh, it's time to catch up and talk about them. I felt very comfortable leaving USMNT versus Panama on the back burner for a couple days while we waited for this France game to occur. The game of the summer, USWNT versus France. The one and two, baby. It's uh, the final that wasn't the final, and now they ship us the cup, right, Kwame? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's already wrapped up and uh, being uh, shipped to the U.S. for a ticker tape parade. Yeah, <laughs> of course not. But uh, but this was <laughs> this was a really great way, and we feel good. It was a great win, and we're going to talk all about it. But first, please, as usual, remember remember, uh, which is which is not a French word. Uh, nor is it even properly a French accent, probably. Remember to please hit that subscribe button. If it's your first time with us, go ahead and hit that. Uh, we love that you're joining us. Also, if you want to share your opinions, because you got those, I know you do. If we have opinions, I know you do. Share them with us at WTPPod on Twitter. That's Wilbur Tango Pizza Pod on Twitter. And lastly, please rate and review us. We got some sick ass US soccer celebs on deck just waiting for your five-star reviews so that they can read them on the show so help us get them to fulfill their contracts to us and uh, be on this pod how's that sound that's it there goes the ding that means that's the end of housekeeping which means it is time to celebrate the u.s overcoming their biggest foe their most the most looked at game on everyone's bracket blah 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 u.s versus france and it gotta say did indeed live up to the hype so uh what you're gonna hear today just to be super clear is u.s france first and then uh tacked on to the end of that is u.s mnt versus panama so you can navigate that however you like do what you will uh kwame shall we do a game recap here dive in on france Yes, please. All right. Couldn't get it going quickly enough. And Rapino would agree. This game would start out with a U.S. goal, essentially. If you, tune, if you tuned in late, you missed it. A free kick is earned, uh, and Rapino scores off of it through a dummy through Julie Ertz in just the fourth minute. Uh, fantastic. U.S. up one nothing. Looks like it's going to be, looks, feels like it's going to be smooth sailing. France all set to uh, break down as we all in, on this side of the red, white, and blue hoped that they would. However, 
Uh, things would be a lot more tense than you might have expected after that early goal from Megan Rapino. There was a lot of back and forth in this game, and it did appear that Jill Ellis decided to give France the ball. All game, the story of this game was, was that an incredible genius decision or a really bad decision? And uh, we didn't really know the answer, truly, until the very, very final whistle. A uh, quick WTP highlight still in the first half was uh, when Ali Wagner clarified that the tests being done, the hydration tests, are in fact just a quick peek at the urine color. Uh, I thought that was fun and enjoyable, a nice little break from this tense game. Ali Wagner knows all and sees all. <laughs> she do know. She really do know. In the, It wouldn't be until the second half after... Uh, after uh, Lindsay Horan came on for Rose Lavelle, who was having a a rough game, that indeed there would be another goal for the U.S. It would go from uh, Morgan to Heath to Rapino, who would slot it low and to the left. Really nice goal, and it's on and popping, 2-0. But still, uh, France having the, the majority of the of the possession and momentum, especially in the second half. Eventually, it would pay off with a goal from the center back, Reynaud, I'm, I'm going to go with that, uh, off of a free kick. So this this person is uh, head and shoulders above the rest, and I don't mean that figuratively. And uh, it paid off. France did come back. It was 1-2, to and this one looked like it could have been uh, anyone's game after that. Worth mentioning, just before the France goal was a Tobin Heath goal that got called offsides, which is uh, debatable for sure. And that would have had this at a 3-0 scoreline, which would have felt a lot more comfortable. Uh, This game ramped up. It definitely looked like France was going to sneak another goal in there. But somehow the U.S. prevailed uh, and just dribbled out into the corner just enough times to see this one out. And there we have it, folks. 2-1. The story of this game in the post-game interviews was a whole lot of... uh, a whole lot of, uh, that was rough, but you got to do what you got to do. And I got to say, I didn't read the game that way at all while watching. I thought it was a kind of elegant uh, dismantling of what this French team wanted to do. But Kwame, what were your first impressions coming off of this momentous victory? Victory. At the final whistle, I had a big sigh of relief. My heart rate had finally come down from the 200s. Um, but my first impression was that this was a... This was a mental win as much as a sort of physical and, and uh, skill win. Uh, the moment that I knew that the U.S. was not just like ready for this game, but like locked into assassin mode, as we've said before, was after the first goal. And, you know, of course, that, that's something to like celebrate, right? But the U.S., they scored, they celebrated together, but... Not that much. And then at the end, the three forwards, Rapino, Heath, and, uh, and Morgan, just turned around and slowly walked together back to the kickoff line in a, in a block of three, just like, okay, here's the plan. You know, this is what we're doing. Like, like just clicked right back into, into, you know, into killer mode. Assassin mode, baby. Watch out. And, and that's when I was like, okay. This team, uh, this team is ready. And so uh, I would say that they have been, as you said, in the postgame, they've been pretty critical of their performance, which, again, is a lot about mentality, right? This was a big heavyweight fight, and they've won it, and they're, they're critiquing their performance already. They're saying, oh, we should have done all these things better. 
um, when most of us as fans are saying, this is great. I was, you know, you did everything. You did everything perfect. So again, like the mentality of this team uh, is, is fantastic. I would say that it wasn't the greatest game. Um, I thought that some people on the U.S. improved. I thought there were a few shaky performances, um, but I thought some units, uh, we worked well as units, and we can go into that uh, in more detail um, later. Um, I thought also France wilted. Um, I thought some players really had some poor performances. Majri, the left back, uh, Wendy Bernard um, and Bakpati, their two centre-backs. Um, Amandine Henri didn't have a great game. Really, I would say only Diani um, had a really good game. Man, Diani and, looks like a true superstar out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a lot about Crystal Dunn, and we had certain questions coming into this game, right? And if you remember the preview, Crystal Dunn, she hasn't had great defensive performances. She's converted uh, to a left-back we worried about that, especially the way she'd been exposed against Sweden and Spain a little bit. And um, and then I also wondered about tactical switches. Could we make them? Would they work? Would we, Would the timing be right? And there, there was a tactical switch here in the 59th minute. The U.S. went to a 5-4-1. And uh, up until that point, the, the four-back U.S. line had been functioning um, incredibly well, exceptionally well, uh, stepping up and keeping it tight. And then uh, switched back to a 5-4-1 and still kind of did pretty well. Managed to hold it together. Julie Ertz in the middle there. Yeah. I, you know, so talking about the back line, I would say the two things. One, um, they looked the most coordinated um, and kind of in step with each other than any other match. Um, Becky Sauerbund also looked sharper. Um, she did. She looked happened, like she was she on looked, her game. She looked ready for it from the whistle. Yeah. And then also, let's just say this was the Crystal Dunn, all you people shut the hell up game. It sure was, I, man. I, she was I, sliding. She was. She, she was. She managed to to put on ice the very viciously talented Diani. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she put her on ice. I wouldn't go that far. I think that Diani I, actually I, 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 had I, I, the I, I, upper hand, but what happened is that she never really she beat crystal dunn but she never really got away from crystal dunn yeah uh crystal dunn gets down to the ground and gets back up so fast her recovery speed is so is so quick and she didn't ever get caught out of position the way that at times she has in the past so when Diani beat her, she was right there to, to you know to harass her. Yeah, that's and and it's worth mentioning as well that that didn't stop Dunn entirely from being involved in the attack. You know, this wasn't a hugely attacking game for the U.S., but she popped up a couple times. A couple times, I would say mostly it was a defensive for sure, uh, for defensive sure. effort. But uh, but everyone was on the same plan as to how to maximize the defense, not to leave her you know alone, and. I, you know, I definitely feel like she played with a chip on her shoulder, um, and this was a way of saying, "I'm not the all, all you people who think I'm the reason that this team is not going to win the World Cup." You know, take this. You know, watch yeah. this, because uh, you know she's fiercely competitive, and she did better than I hoped. Um, which is not to say that she was perfect, but it, she probably did as well as 
you could expect any left back to do against Diani in that form. So Jill Ellis uh, has has this team focusing on defense, giving France the ball, quoted as saying France doesn't want the ball, makes this move to the 5-4-1 when they, when, at a time when the U.S. could have taken the approach of pushing for more goals, and it all worked out. Uh, Kwame, this, was, this reminded me of, you alluded to potentially Ellis hiding something, having something up her sleeve, showing us a different look than we've seen so far in this tournament in the preview. Uh, you, you mentioned all this, and I think that you were right about that, that we did see something a little different uh, from the U.S., and do you think it was the right move, and do you think, uh, obviously we won, but uh, things could have gone differently, and that doesn't necessarily mean it was the right tactical choice. Uh, do you think it was, and do you think it was well executed? Um, my opinion is I think it was the right move, but I think of it, it was too early. Um, I think that France definitely was struggling to play well. And if we took away the flanks and made them come through the middle, um, I think that they weren't in a position to really do that. But the switching it to is so early, we kind of gave them half an hour on the front foot for the most part, um, and to figure that out. And so if we'd done it maybe a little later on, if we'd, uh, you know, kept them a little off, because it, it wasn't as if I don't think they were growing into the game. I think that we were fatig- they were getting more desperate, and also we were fatiguing Rose Lavelle. Um, Rough game for Rose you know, Lavelle and, out yeah, there. Yeah, it wasn't her strongest game. And so I thought that... Um, Another criticism of Ellis has been that she's waited too long to make substitutions. I think that in this game, she was, uh, you know, pretty good. Um, she was. You know, she maybe a few minutes earlier, but pretty proactive. And I think that was the time to bring Lavelle in. And this is when you have Lindsay Horan. If you're going to have Lindsay Horan on the bench, this is what you want to do with her. You want to bring her in um, to, um, you know, fresh legs, hard tackles, possession, distribution, find people, find the outlets. And just um, a different look, like you said, if we have four four center midfielders that are all excellent, truly excellent, right. we play three of them and one of them's having an off day, you just try the other one. It may not even be as tactical as all that. It might just be like, all right, well, if one of you three is not cutting it, then Horan's coming on for you. Yeah, and, you know, it was a hot day and I think Lavelle um, has struggled for a full 90-minute fitness uh all along. And so bringing her out around that time made a lot of sense. Um, but it's not as if Haran coming in for Lavelle necessitated a change in formation. So the, you know, and we were only one nil up at that point. Now we did score just a few minutes later. I don't think we can put that down necessarily to the formation change. Um, but perhaps France were a little unsettled um, by that um by that change um, and still figuring out it's possible. Maybe, but this goal is a lot of individual brilliance from Tobin Heath as well. I would say this is actually more an Alex Morgan goal than a Tobin Heath goal. All right, tell or at me least about 50-50. That. Yeah, tell uh, me about or, that. Or let me, it is a Tobin Heath made goal, but there's a lot of credit for Morgan. So, yeah, they're unsung heroes. They're unsung heroes with both of these goals. So let's talk about this second one. Yeah, so the, the goal develops. The U.S. has a throw-in kind of deep. And, um, you know, they throw it in and they pass it back to Kelly O'Hara. And she's coming under pressure. So she launches a sort of 30, 40-yard ball down the line. Um, and it's a contest between Alex Morgan and Wendy Bernard to get 
that ball. And Renard's in batting position. Alex Morgan kind of nips in. Renard doesn't do the best job positionally, but Alex Morgan definitely wants it more. Gets it, holds Renard off, finds Keith, um, who does some jukes and then finds Morgan again. And then Morgan creates space and then times her pass to Heath's run perfectly. I mean, to the, it was to the centimeter, right? Um, I was actually afraid that she'd waited too long and that Heath was going to be offsides, but, uh, but she wasn't. And then Heath streaks in and, you know, finds the late arriving Rapino at the back post. Mewis makes a great near post run. Um, debatable whether Heath was trying to find Mewis and mishit it or trying to find Rapino and scuffed it a little bit. Uh, but either way, uh, France were really, um, really exposed with that run and that and that cross. Um, yeah, I think that's crucial to note. You know, Alex Morgan once again not on the score sheet, but once again uh, crucial to to this win. I think had to be marked out of this game. Found the ball a lot more than she did versus mm-hmm. Spain. Was part of a lot more action and uh, a crucial sort of part of buildup. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I think she won the free kick right for the first yes, goal. Yes, she, yeah. she did. She um, she was very alert. Rupino and and her actually do this a lot on uh, on throw-ins. They take it quickly. Um, uh, Morgan will just take off running and Rapino will have like a long throw and France uh, were caught unawares and Mbak Bathi um, had to grab Morgan by the arm and pull her down and that's the free kick that Rapino scores on. Yeah, so on this free kick, I gotta, I gotta give a, a serious shout out to Julie Ertz who seems to get no mention at all but in, in the discussion of this goal but she, she makes the choice, the conscious choice to dummy this at the very last second, does it in a way that's like authentically deceptive. It looks like she's trying to angle for a shot uh, if you're the defender or goalkeeper. And this this goes all the way in because of that dummy. You know, it wasn't like a it wasn't necessarily like a upper ninety screamer that Rapino tagged on that ball. Yeah, no, the shot went in exactly where the French goalkeeper had been standing um, when Rapino started her run up. Uh, so it definitely was that near post run by Ertz that drew her attention and also screened her from seeing the ball. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, and then Henri was also watching Ertz and expecting a flick. And so when the ball just keeps going straight, it goes through her legs. So yes, there was a lot to um, there was a lot to be uh, to be a lot went well. Um, and but the the U.S. created a lot of chaos in that Absolutely. situation. So what, if anything, uh, does the U.S. need to be careful about? Because we joked about how the cup is now ours. Uh, it's funny we were talking about France uh, during the Spain. Everyone's talking about France during the Spain game, and uh, nobody seems to have put any serious thought into what happens after France. Um, but it, the cup is not ours yet. We got a long way to go. And and you mentioned on the last episode that anyone who thought Spain was just a, a walkover team was mistaken. So uh, what I want to before we go into like previewing uh, England versus the U.S., I, I want to check in with you about anything you learned or noticed in this game that could be potential threats for us. I mean, uh, potential weaknesses for us. Well, uh, weaknesses is maybe. Um... A strong word. I do think that although Alex Morgan played better, um, there were times still where she was down and looking 
hurt or yeah, winded she, or she, just she off. She took a serious injury in the 30th minute or a serious uh, moment down. And it's hard to say. that That's what led to a hydration test. It was at a time when France was had a lot of momentum following the, the early goal. So this may have been a little bit of gamesmanship. But when she got up, I swear to you, I thought she, she looked uh, emotionally distraught about the situation. And I wondered if she would come out of the game right then. Yeah, she has not looked... She has not looked fully healthy. It's been hard to tell what has been the matter with her. Um, it's not as if she's limping or that there's, you know, there's uh, that she's taped up or things like that. She looks, she looks uh, to me sort of sore, sore and a bit sluggish. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the Argentinian player's name? Men's player uh, number six. Oh, Mascherano? Yeah. I wonder if this is a uh, Mascherano-type situation where we'll hear at the end of the tournament that she was just an absolute warrior through some, like, really intense injury. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wonder, right, whether, you know, whether she had some sort of uh, infection or, you know, stomach bug or, or something. Soccer doctor. You know, <laughs> Let me get I, in there. I do. Let Kwame in there with his stethoscope. Because today when she went down, it seemed as if she took a sort of glancing ball off of her head that kind of hit her eyebrow. Um, But she looked almost a little um, dizzy or, or something or just, so I don't know, but I, I was encouraged by the fact that she did seem a little fresher. And so hopefully this is something that she's recovering from and we'll see her get, a bit better physically with each game. Um, kind of the reverse of what you expect in a Greenland World Cup. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully and, the water flows upward on this one. Yeah. And then I would also hope, though, that if she's not able to do it, that Ellis would be willing to consider putting in Kristen Press for her instead of Carly Lloyd. Hmm. Because if we don't want to change the game plan... Kristen Press replicates what Alex Morgan does better than Carly Lloyd does. That's not to say Press is a better player, better goal scorer, but in terms of, uh, you know, I think what really worked today for Morgan is that we got her closer to Rapino, that we allowed her to yeah. combine and not be all out on an island by herself. And, um, and, Lloyd is also good with combining, but in terms of like runs in behind and stretching people out, that's definitely a Kristen Press game. In addition to the potential uh, Morgan weaknesses here, I got another one, which is the uh, the disenchantment of of my rose-colored glasses, uh, pun intended there. We got Rose Lavelle and Sam Mewis. You know, we already mentioned Rose. She had a noticeably rough game, but and Sam, I, I would argue that Sam Mewis had a sort of less noticeably less noticeable but equally as ineffective uh, match here. She also had a sort of a moment where she showed, I think, her inexperience in a in like a real blatant dive early on in this game, mm-hmm. um, and I think she she kind of like in in doing that in making that decision kind of uh, illustrates uh, why Jill Ellis is sort of bringing in these more seasoned players at the last second because they may not be as physically able. The value of people not making mistakes like that, which could have been a very early yellow and potentially le- lead to play- having to play a, a player down, 
um, is even greater moving into these very high pressure semifinal and final situations, perhaps, than having like a younger player who's got who's got uh, more legs on him. That's there's some truth to that. I think my counter critique would be that you had three years to prepare your players for this World Cup, and she didn't really give Sam Ewis enough reps, right? So if you create a situation where you don't give people enough experience and then say, oh, well, they're not experienced enough, so I can't use them, that's on you a little bit. I mean, it, it, without Haran picking up some injuries in the buildup, I don't think we see Sam Ewis play as much of a part in this World Cup, and we see how talented and how valuable she's been. So I think that this was definitely the biggest game of both Lavelle's and Mewis's life, and so it's not surprising that they would have moments of, uh, you know, of being shaky. Um, notably, not nearly as shaky as some of the French players who are more experienced. Um, but so, and Mewis, I would say, also had a big mistake in terms of the goal that France scored. Uh, that was pretty much on her and that she bites she bites on the um on the fake uh on the fake kick um on that free kick and so she's the reason that Renard uh gets a head start on her markers and is two yards ahead of everyone. And it's right after that that Mewis comes off. So but I think Mewis had a decent game. Um I think that she had some good long range shots um and was uh you know, a, a presence in the midfield. And then I think she tired and was subbed out appropriately. But when she came out, it was Carly Lloyd that came in, which I think is, again, another critique of uh, Jill Ellis, right? Yeah, so so Lloyd comes into this game for Mewis, uh, and I thought that she she looked pretty good. It looked like she, uh, she had at least one really important stop uh, in the crucial period where we were trying to sweat this game out. And she came in with some intensity and did the job. It's not that Carly Lloyd did a bad job. Um, I thought she did a reasonably good job. It's that the midfielders that Jill Ellis brought, apparently she didn't trust to do the job that she conceivably brought them for, to be experienced midfielders who wouldn't uh, blink in a pressure moment. This was a pressure moment. Your starting midfielder um, was gassed. You were up 2-1 against a desperate, dangerous team who's really good at free kicks. Um, And Carly Lloyd, you know, is very good in the air, you know? but she's not a defensive-oriented um, player. I mean, she definitely was with the game plan. She definitely knew what she was doing. This is not so much a, a critique of Carly Lloyd, but you know, let's say that... Let me ask another question. So let's say that Carly Lloyd had sprained her ankle, right? Or been injured, right? Or, or Alex Morgan had had to come out, and so Carly Lloyd was already in. Who comes into that spot? It's... Morgan Bryan or Ali Long, um, and uh, you know I'm not sure that those were uh, players she players that were trustworthy to kind of do that job to play sort of at that level. It's a moot point. It's a uh, moot point, and I don't think I I definitely think that uh, they that 
um, Morgan Bryan and Ali Long would have been uh, the wrong would would have been a would have made us more of a leaky bucket potentially mm-hmm. in this game. Uh, but I also think that because of the way the tournament has lined up for Jill Ellis here as a as a manager, she has the luxury of sort of juicing everything she can out of her most talented players now and potentially playing Morgan Bryan in the semifinal versus England, knowing that it's a it's not quite the same level of talent. Or Oh no, that'd be yeah. terrible. Or is <laughs> it? <laughs> no, yeah, no, I would say that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk a little bit about England. I mean, uh, give me a picture of, of what we're coming into. No like I, I as kind of from from the casual fan perspective, I can't say that much has been discussed about whether or not this is even a challenging game. So give me some context here. Um, England is a very good team. Um, they are, I would say, just a notch below France, but they can, uh, you know, they've certainly beaten France. Um, they've beaten us. Usually it's tight games. Usually we um, are able to get the edge over them. Um, they're most dangerous attack comes down the right, um, same as uh, arguably France. So Crystal Dunn is in for another big game. Um, uh, England's perhaps best player is Lucy Bronze, who's their right back. And um, when she overlaps with Paris, um, who uh, in the last friendly against England, it was a 2-2 tie, um, and Paris caused us a lot of problems down the right. So... We're definitely, um, you know, we're definitely going to be under some pressure. They've got a very experienced midfield. Um, their center forward, Ellen White, um, is really good at finding space. Uh, I think she's got four goals in the tournament so far. Um, and England are, you know, athletic and physical and tough. And, um, you know, a lot of them play professionally in England. Uh, I would say that they have perhaps two slower center backs um and that is maybe the one area that we could hurt them potentially again depending a little bit on the fitness of alex morgan uh and their goalkeeper has had some shaky moments uh in this last game that they played uh against norway when they actually really dismantled norway Um, who had been a pretty tough team um, in the tournament thus far. So this is not an easy game by any stretch. This is not a game where we can rest anybody. Um, You know, maybe we give Haran a start over Lavelle um, if Lavelle is more gassed or or if Mewis is more gassed. Um, But other than that, we really can't afford to change anything. Right. And this is a crucial and very difficult moment psychologically, I think, for our elite Nats uh, to come out of this game versus France and to somehow uh, to somehow retool themselves towards towards this next match. I think is a major challenge. Would be for me if I was in that situation. Do you think that this team has the mentality it needs to uh, to to carry forth and really finish this thing? Because it's ours to lose at this point. Um, I absolutely do think they have the mental strength. Um, they have that focus. I think they've already they've already moved on. Um, you know, as you said, they're already critiquing their performance. Like, right after the whistle went, they were happy with the win. 
they did what they needed to do to win. They're going to do the same thing in the next game. But I don't think by any stretch do they think that they've got this wrapped up. Um, I mean, the next two games, um, if the if the next two games will potentially, certainly is going to be England next, and then after that, it's a good chance that it's Germany. Um, if it's not Germany, you know, then it's Sweden, who always give the U.S. trouble, um, or uh, the Netherlands, who are the reigning European champions, or Italy, who have surprised everyone. So it's not going to be easy, but I think that they are not distracted or over the moon by this win. Uh, I think that they're like, wow, this was awesome. This environment was awesome. Um, this was a great team win over a great team, but you know they don't think they have it wrapped up by any stretch. All right, Kwame, so uh, here's a rapid-fire one. Who's your golden boot prediction at this point in the tournament? Everyone does golden boots before the tournament. I think that's silly. This is the perfect time to have this debate. Uh, golden boot, I'm going to say Alex Morgan. Ooh, you don't think Rapino's going to get it on a few more PKs? Uh, I, I, think that, um, I think that Alex Morgan is going to have a couple of key moments, and I think she's going to... I think Rapino has one more goal in her, and I think Morgan has two. So, anything else you want to mention about this France game before we lay it to bed, folks? We got uh, stay tuned. Right after this, we're gonna have uh, me, myself, and Ty. That's two people only. There's me, myself, and then Ty uh, talking about USA versus uh, Panama. Why not? So, uh, so stay tuned for that. And keep in mind that Ty and I recorded this discussion at a time when we had no idea what was going on with the uh, France game, because it hadn't happened yet, and uh, we'll, we'll joke about that. But anyways, Kwame, you, uh, you got anything for us before we depart from this, the, the marquee match? No, I think it was a really satisfying game. I'm really proud of this team um, and uh, how they're just moving forward bit by bit, overcoming all these challenges. Um, they are going to have one day fewer rest than England before this next match. Um, and they also um, are going to be playing in a pretty hot environment in the south of France, where temperatures right now are hitting like 100 degrees. Uh, so uh, how do the depth of our bench, I think, may come into play a little bit more in this game against England. Uh, right now, the competitive matches, we haven't drawn too much on other outside of, you know, the sort of 14 or so. Um, and then lastly, actually, we didn't really talk about Alyssa Nair. Um, she didn't have big saves to make, um, but she did look a little shaky on some uh, crosses. England's pretty good at crossing the ball. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. But, you know, this this team is, uh, this team is prepared. Um, they're... Ex- I'm not. I'm always. I'm somewhat of a critic of Ellis's decisions, but there is no one who can be a critic of her uh, preparation. Like this team is on the same page. They know what they're doing. When she says do this, they're drilled. So, um, and you know, maybe that's uh, as important as anything else. All right, folks, don't stop sweating yet. We still got a lot of World Cup to go. Moving on. 
zoomy zoom, do a little spin in the uh, telephone booth. And now I've got my USMNT uh, Superman costume on, ready to talk gnats. What's up, Ty? Hello. Crazy game for the WNT, huh? <laughs> Can't yeah. believe that they either won or lost <laughs> in such exciting slash boring fashion. <laughs> Precisely. Oh, man. And oh, didn't Kwame man. just nail it with his analysis of that game? He always nails Holy it. That crap, I can Ola. say with confidence, yeah, that's even facts. on Thursday night. Kwame... <laughs> Nailed the Fred's show. <laughs> show. All right, cool. Oh, so if you boy. stuck around with us, you are you are the all-around Nats fan, and uh, we love you much. So so thank you for for you're, staying you're going for the EGOT of uh, <laughs> national team coverage. <laughs> you listen to the U twenties. <laughs> she yeah. the peeps. The, the, and then vanilla we the peeps yeah vanilla we the peeps and the last one is if you listen to the peeps uh the yearly award show we do on this podcast called the peeps you get yourself an egot a an acronym which <laughs> no longer makes sense uh but it's still called an egot okay guys the game game was the game hath was it been usa versus panama and it was third. Panama. It was Panama. It was definitely the third game of a group stage, and uh, I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you all about it right about meow. Uh, both gloves, Sean Johnson, folks. Just I'm done. yeah, Sean John. Uh, Dule Hill doppelganger. <laughs> a, a fair warning. There there may be a couple names you're not so familiar with coming up here. Um, but you'll get, get out to... there, Daniel Lovitz. <laughs> get out there, Daniel. We love it. Oh, we love it. Kind of. Uh, we love it's the Nats. <laughs> the the Nats are a love it's hate it's relationship. <laughs> uh, we've got Omar Gonzalez. Welcome back, the other Franco, oh, Matt Miazga. <laughs> He's undeniable. The other Franco. The other Franco. Franco we got, doppelganger. We got the, uh, the 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 soccer player formerly known as Cannon, Reggie. Yes. Uh, we also no, no Lima Bean today. <laughs> Lima Bean took a rest. Had to soak. Uh, we've got <laughs> Jonathan Lewis. Expanded a little bit in some stock. <laughs> we got Jonathan Lewis. Welcome back. I think maybe second cap here for Jonathan Lewis. Uh, promising player on the left wing in the midfield we're gonna have uh dj orgy protect your neck uh uh, i wrote down i wrote down alejandro bedoya which is wrong wow i heard that coming out of your mouth (laughs) it's not correct roll dan roll dan thank you (laughs) i just i just reflexively wrote bedoya which is very fitting for just go for that for what roll dan is laying down on the table we have will trappington the 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 captain that would be king on the right side of the midfield slash attacking force we have jordan morris and lastly but very much J-Mo not smooth jmo smoothie's back right foot and a half a left foot one and a half boots for jordan morris <laughs> uh, and then we've got jose altador welcome back welcome the fuck back to the starting position Josie, another uh, little mishap I had in my lineup writing was that I definitely wrote Giassi Zardes and had to scratch that out 10 minutes into this yeah, game. Yeah, right. As did uh, John Strong started just just saying Giassi Zardes. 
Just saying Giassi Zardes whenever he meant to say Josie Altador <laughs> yeah, halfway through the second. It's half. just too hard. It's just too it's hard. It's tough. The, the names are very close. Jesse, 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 Jesse. Yeah. When Jurgen Klinsmann yelled at them, it was very, very similar. <laughs> All right. So uh, this game would end up one nil to our fair Nats, uh, but. Uh, not without a few uh, fantastic We the Peeps highlights along the way. First, the first one came in the pre-show. Kate Abdo, Kate Abdo, putting the heat on Will Trapp uh, in her questioning. I, I missed this, Clayton. Can you recap the shade that Kate Abdo dropped? Oh yeah, the shade. The shade was light but clear. Trappington. I'd say. Uh, essentially, she's <laughs> Donovan is saying like, oh well, you know, he if he can uh, if he can. Show us today that he can be a game changer in a difficult game. And this might be a difficult game. You have to hold your nose even more. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, then I think he could be the number six moving forward. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, but have we ever seen that from him? (laughs) He's like, I can't say that we've seen it from him necessarily, but it does seem like maybe, you know, maybe, and Donovan's like, maybe he'll play some games and not others. And Kate Abdos is just like, you know, a continued line of questioning, just throwing doubts on, on Will Trapp as a serious is option. good enough? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so uh, I, I have some other Kate Abdo highlights. Oh, yeah. From, what you got? From, from halftime. Did you watch halftime? Uh, I didn't. I stepped out so for halfy. First question she, she asks, she says is, the U.S. with, uh, with plenty of chances, but, but no breakthrough. And Moa goes... I wouldn't say that. <laughs> it's like more like half chances, and I was like, "Well, it's kind of confusing this whole scenario, this whole decision of what's a chance and what's a half chance." <laughs> and I was also reading something the other day where uh, Christian Roldan was described in the MLS media as goal dangerous, <laughs> so not hmm. goal scoring, goal dangerous. <laughs> Christian Roldan, a soccer player who understands the concept of a goal. <laughs> yeah. In in this in this uh, U.S. soccer bubble, it's okay as long as you have a lot of half chances and you are goal dangerous. That's good <laughs> enough for us. I think that's a big problem. Yeah, that's so a big problem. So, uh, you get a mixed review here. Plus on the Will Trap shade, minus on that, and then a major plus for asking the studio crew. What Josie Altador has to do in the second half to get into into Breg Gerhalter's good graces, and all the commentators going score, like one word score score he has to score, and Kate Abdo is looking for a little bit more detail. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she understood that part, guys. <laughs> Right. Yeah, coming from two dudes who managed to talk for hours on end about this team, I, I'm sure that she was expecting a little bit more than that. She, Subtle she, nuance. Yeah. So how does how does a bicycle kick winner taste? Yeah. So Break. so to to get back into this recap here, um, the, the there there were chances we did get to see Polisic walk on the field. Technically, uh, he was wearing a jersey and he was on the I field. I think I saw him. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it. And then, uh, you know, uh, shortly after coming on, so maybe the Polisic effect. uh, (laughs) It was Paul Ariola wearing a Polisic jersey. (laughs) Shortly after coming on, 65th minute, Josie gets his 
his his fucking goal, his first goal in quite a long time, if I'm correct. Hashtag Pulisic effect. Ha- hashtag Pulisic effect. And it was kind of a cool one. It was off a corner kick that Pulisic had nothing to do with. It was uh, rebounded into the box by Matt Miazga, cough, cough, stardom, uh, which also Pulisic had nothing to do with. It came off a defender that wasn't Pulisic. And then Josie uh, bicycled that shit out of nowhere. It's, that is an uncharacteristically stylish finish uh, from Josie. And the game would end one nothing with a little, uh, little sightseeing by Boyd and, of course, Giassi Zardes. So it's becoming clear that as soon as a, starter, uh, a striker in contention for a starting spot starts scoring, it's time to bring on the other. And uh, lastly, the referee at some point in this game uh, thought that the U.S., was heard the Panamanian players saying the U.S. are moving that ball, uh, which they were scooting it backward to get a better angle on a free kick. The ref heard that and then uh, pushed the ball even farther back, thinking that the U.S. had pushed the ball forward. Golf claps all around, folks. One nil was This this was the moment of the match to me. I'm not kidding. (laughs) This is the the thing that gives me the most uh, optimism about the future of this team. Okay, tell because, me why. Because it's it's cheeky cheeky AF. The ref does the magic spray. DJ Orgy comes over and he stomps on the magic spray and smushes it into the ground while the ref is not looking. It's awesome. And they move the ball back, and then the ref, you know, makes a mistake and even further moves the ball back, and we just proceed poker face. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fantastic. And it it reminds me of a moment in a past game uh, in the Copa America two years ago where we were playing Argentina and uh, Leo Messi gets fouled from behind by Chris the Miss. And it's like 35 yards out. And Leo Messi ends up taking a free kick from about 29 yards out that he scores. Hmm. And it's it's and Jurgen Klinsmann, to his credit, he I I you know want nothing to do with him as national team coach, but I, I would like him as a as a gad gadfly, a uh, a critic, because he noticed this and he called it out as one of the one of the things that he felt like was endemic to the the U.S. game is that we're not willing to do these little things that that give you an edge. Um, and I you know I'm I'm not fully settled on it. Like it's going to take me some getting used to. I definitely don't like diving. I don't like my team to dive. Uh, and I, I don't like my team to like bite the other team on the shoulder like El Salvador did to us a couple years ago too. Um, but I don't mind me a little bit of uh, magic spray shenanigans. <laughs> I gotta say, yeah, and it's and and you know after the magic spray shenanigans, the reaction to being given an advantage wasn't like, oh we're sorry, like we don't deserve. Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. You know, yes. like it was it was like all right, like we got that, we're about to score. And they didn't. Yeah. Uh, so this was and a second-string performance, um, a second-string performance from this team in a lot of ways. Uh, Ty, what Very were your general string. was what were your general first impressions uh, after after these benchies walked off the field? Yeah, it's really hard to draw a lot of conclusions. You know, Panama also weren't playing their strongest team. Um, I thought the you know lack of cohesion was very visible. It was super friendly mode. And the, with the exception of Miazga, who was, you know, as of two years ago in MLS, it was all MLS players. And so what it kept making me think over and over is just that MLS is like the graveyard of creativity, unfortunately. 
I, I, I think that's changing, and I hope it's changing. But we just don't look like breaking anybody down. Like, there's no, there's no ideas. There's no, you know, cleverness through the middle or, or quickness. And it's just sort of like, uh, I don't know, the same plan over and over without success. And I'm, I'm trying to understand when people, people go on about Greg Berhalter's system and what he wants people, <laughs> he wants people who can fit the system. Yeah. What? Am I missing something here? What's the system? Yeah, the system. Exactly. It's like literally anyone off of any soccer field anywhere could fit the system <laughs> that they just played. It's just like, yeah, I think the one dudes. thing that was noted was that he wants the striker to play more defense. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. That's not really a system. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're playing 4 3 3. So it, it was, looked like pretty normal 4 3 3, but. It was very yeah. normal. It was very white toast. I do get the sensation that Greg is like pulling back a little bit on the uh, tactical complexities. I think he's, he's realizing the nature of the national team job. And I wouldn't be all that surprised if he had had that conversation with the team. That's not a conversation you want to have publicly. Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to pull back the reins on all this tactical stuff. We're going to keep it simple. I've learned since starting this job that that doesn't work. Uh, but I could see him having that discussion with the team. And, and maybe that's why we see the Lima bean riding that, riding that line as much no as he is. Lima bean. <clears throat> I, I, I like both of the right backs equally. Yeah, let's talk about bright spots here. Things. I think uh, I think Reggie looks like uh, he's got some sauce. <laughs> he looks like he's got a little something to him. Yeah, yeah, he's he definitely has a a swag. He had the uh, angry moment of he had the Weston McKenney commemorative angry moment of the match <laughs> when he uh, when he cursed at the referee. Very easy lip read after a after a bad call. Uh, or, you know, his bad call from his perspective. It was just like two two players getting tangled up. I thought it was um, a bad call. I, I like seeing that. Yeah, I like seeing that too. I like too. seeing that for sure. I was I was a little bummed that um that Miazga didn't have more to do because I thought it would have been good to see to see him tested a little bit more. Uh you know, I I really think he's better than Long and Zimmerman, but I think so, and um, I think he. I honestly felt that he did find a way to sh- prove that, even though he had less to do. He he was uh, he could be seen at the early stages of a lot of offensive moves, which is you know one of his yeah, clear outstanding yeah, yeah. gifts. Um, and he also got involved in some you know first balls off the goal kicks uh, that you know where he got to show his strength and his ability to win those. He got called for a couple early fouls, which is a which strikes me as a very uh, a, a very fast way to go out of favor with Greggy B. Um, but I, I think he's the type of player that is a little bit overly victimized uh, by the whistle, and he's just got to learn to rein it in. I thought he did make a decent impression here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking of big moments, and if you don't have a lot of big moments, that's generally good as well. And I think it's it's clear that um, I don't remember the name of the striker in the first half, but the the one Panamanian striker kept trying to get in behind, and every time he was trying to go one on one with uh, with Omar Galaxy, it's like, oh, easy choice, easy choice, yeah, <laughs> give me <laughs> Galaxy, please, <laughs> yeah, this guy or that yeah. guy. <laughs> so so that's that's at least uh, you know a second party uh, judgment that that is uh, worth paying attention to. 
Um, and and Omar looked rather shaky in a lot of those moments. So I think they were right to to pick his side. Um, I, I but yeah, you. I mean, I feel like it's it's another one of those where the team didn't have enough to do, where we really learned much about them. And then I learn, I I look at the draw. You know, I I I get start getting hype. You know, knockout stage. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, I know it's. And sad, I isn't see it? our side of the bracket is Panama, <laughs> <laughs> Jamaica, and Curacao. So our our path to the final is through three teams who are barely or are actually our group stage opponents. Yeah, barely better or actually were one of the opponents. Did you catch the John so, Strong attempt to hype up Curacao? <laughs> he's like, uh, he's yes, like, yeah, they're coming up against a fierce Curacao, confident Curacao team. <laughs> um, and you know, <laughs> the the overall thing about this tournament is like. Ever since Trinidad, we were like, all right, this gold cup, <laughs> this better be good. <laughs> and we, I feel like we're just not going to get to see the team play a real tough match until the final. And, um, I mean, jinx on jinx there, but. Jinx on jinx there. I think if we come up against a Panama first team <laughs> in the semis, that, that could be a, a a fun game to watch, like a competitive game. I'm sad to say that the that's where we're at, that a, a first-team Panama is like, you know, a solid match for us, but I think they are. Yeah, it's true. So Yeah, I th- we'll see if we can do it, first team against first team. The second team's, you know, we, we, we got, got, some, got some evidence. But, yeah, it, it'll be a different game. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, I, I'm kind of like... Uh, bummed to not be seeing more uh, intense moments because this tournament is full of intense moments a lot of the time and it's a really fun tournament. Um, but it seems like, you know, Costa Rica and Mexico got, got on, stuck on the other side of the bracket and are going to face each other in the next round. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a weaker pool of semifinalists than we're used to. Um, and this this particular side of our bracket is really, really weak compared to the teams that we've seen in the past. So... Uh, you know, it, 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 it's fun to see the U.S. Uh, win by large margins. That's that's definitely a, an interest of mine. Uh, but the I've had enough. I've had enough of this isn't real. And I, I'm just I'm waiting for that sweet, sweet competi- competitive action coursing through my veins again. Yeah. So what do you think about uh, what do you think about this uh, kind of percolating Nations League scenario? In, as, a, as a response I, I to this exact this. problem, yes. can you well, explain this, that for, yeah. for the listeners who don't maybe know about this or whatever? Can you explain it to them? Yeah, so I, I don't have the I don't know the format. I haven't studied this up yet, but the, it's analogous to to what they're doing in uh, in Europe, where during all these breaks where you normally would play friendlies, instead they're starting a competitive league system. So. Uh, every team in the region is playing competitive matches more frequently. So you have fewer of these breaks that are just for friendlies. And um, you, the, the way the European one works is there's, there's like four, uh, four tiers. And then within your tier, you have a group with two other teams. And so every, every match day, you're playing two matches against, you know, the, those two other teams. And you do that, I think uh, like two cycles and then, Whoever wins that group goes on to the next group. So it's it's this whole like convoluted thing. 
Um, and we'll have to read up on the particularities of the CONCACAF iteration because I'm sure it will be dumb in some comparative way. Uh, like all these <laughs> They're going to fuck it are. up somehow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounds great. I'm just kidding. I love CONCACAF. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, What's the drawback? I'm proud of my region. A, f- a funny uh, side side benefit of that for the Nats in particular, for our Nats in particular, is being able to cap players more often. Get, yes, get being players, able to cap players is huge. Caps. Um, but the, the most important thing, I think one of the, the biggest complaints I have, I'm glad you brought this up, is that the U.S. doesn't play away very much. And so we, we go into these matches like the, that initial round of World Cup qualifying. You remember last time the U.S. goes down to Guatemala and loses 2 nothing. Car- Carlos Ruiz double, I think. Or maybe it was 3-1. But they, they lose. It, it, they have no business losing to these teams. I mean... The, the talent gap is so dramatic, you know. But, you know, if, the, if they went to uh, Guyana, if they went to Guyana, I think Guyana gets a point off them. Straight and then when, the, when they play in Minnesota, it's, it's no problem. But our, our players are just so unadapted to, to travel. And, the, um, you know, and that parallels a lot of things with American society. Like our you know, young people don't travel quite as much as people in other countries do. Um, and so even this relatively cosmopolitan set, especially since we've picked, we've had a propensity to pick so many domestic based players. Um, and then like even the Europeans don't tend to do super well in that environment because it's very new to them. So all in all, more away matches in CONCACAF is huge for the U.S. national team. Huge, like incalculably important. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's also uh, going to be yeah. so crucial for the other middling teams to make a gold cup, a more competitive and interesting tournament, right? Like if yeah, like Curacao yeah. is competing all the time, you know, what, what right, right. imagine, imagine what, uh, Jamaica could be, or imagine, you know, what Panama could be with more competitive matches. I think it just raises the level in general and that's pretty cool. I'm into it. Yeah. And you have, you have more, you know, namely you have more competitive games against the U S and Mexico, you know, which are, which are big draws at home. And also, um, you know, when you play those away games, those are going to drive revenue. So, um, so, so I think it's all in all a very positive thing. I'm glad the era of the friendly is over. I think those have done very little for, for the U S it's mainly been a, you know, false bellwethers of, you know, uh, putative progress that don't really mean anything. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it and I, I don't care who we're playing, but as long as we're going away to some of these environments that are so-called, you know, uh, tough places to play, they are yeah. tough places to play. Don't get me wrong, but they, they, with getting used to them, I think our talent will show more when we are in those environments. Agreed. Uh, Ty, any, you, any, uh, last thoughts here looking forward in this cup? You want to, you want to do some, uh, hopes and fears? I, I have, what I was going to say is, is totally a fear, which is just complacency. You know, we, we said coming out of the last game, the six, nothing win against Trinidad doesn't change the fact that the team's not set up well, that, that players, the, that the wrong players are being picked, you know, and we can't do anything about the, the roster selections now, but there's, you know, there's two or three starters from, from Greggy B's first 11 that I would like to switch out. Uh, and, you know, I think those, those problems are going to hurt us and they're going to, they're not going to be apparent until we're in a crunch final against a Costa Rica or a Mexico. And that's what I fear is that we're going to basically get one real game in this tournament and we're going to lose because we're not prepared. Uh, so the more people freak out about beating, you know, 
beating three easy opponents in the group stage, uh, the the harder it's going to be for for uh, Greg to make the right calls. Yeah, and I'd I'd like to loop that back as well. I'll do a hope after this, but you know I think it was a mistake to play a second string here. I I don't, we, what do you gain from this? Like, you know the the whole Greg's whole mission is to like restore the reputation of this team or whatever. So just play the fucking dankest team you can as much as you can <laughs> get them as good as you can be together. Get the 11 of as many minutes together as you can get them. Maybe rest, uh, you know, Polisic after one half or, you know, do what you got to do. Uh, maybe start Josie in order to try to help resolve this apparent debate between Jesse Josie. Uh, but you know, essentially keep the same team and build that continuity. I, I, I had this yeah. same problem with the women's team switching out their entire roster, uh, in particular uh, with regards to Alex Morgan. But none of that, uh, but but felt totally different with the women's team because it's such a longer tournament. You know, Greg's got six games or whatever to uh, to five games to six games six games to make this to make this team as look good. And he missed one, he yeah. missed one of those opportunities. Yeah, yeah, and you're spot on because the the women's team they played three friendlies, I think, with essentially the the starting eleven. And this U.S. team didn't even have I don't think they had Polisic until the group stage, right? Correct. Or no, they didn't have Adams. They weren't supposed to have Adams even until the first game of the group stage. So they had Polisic for part of the last friendly, and so the the where's the cohesion coming from? I think it it I I totally buy what you're saying. It makes more sense to just you know, in general, like for, for us, our, our thing is like, we want there to be a U.S. team and just thick and thin, just go, go with that team until, you know, some, some break point and then reset the team and just stick with that. Uh, so we, we kind of want to see that, uh, that cohesion because it develops the, the automatism and gives the, gives us a, a much better chance of, uh, staying tight in a, in a match where every, foot is going to count you know what i mean i do so my hope here is for uh uh, uh weston mckenney goal i i think he's he's one of my yes. he's my fave faux days and i think he deserves more attention than he's been getting and uh there's if there's one sure way to get talked about it's by scoring a goal and you know weston's got some goals in him oh yeah oh yeah get in there wes i'll go for a hat trick a Weston hat trick. <laughs> Weston hat trick. Fuck yeah, that'd be amazing. I want to see three <laughs> Weston celebrations. Double Hattie, golden do the, boot. Do the uh, the Alex Morgan, not three, <laughs> not four, not five. <laughs> All right, yo. Uh, that uh, hasn't worked out for her. Oh pending yeah, pending the France game. We, we we'll see. Yeah, pending France game. We have. She's no either idea. vindicated right now or <laughs> continues to be uh, struggling. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I really like ballpoint pens. It's a classic design, and from what I understand, there's some link between the materials used in ballpoint pens and lighters, which is why Bic makes both. Uh, I also like. Um, uh, wow, that Reggie cannon by mind. <laughs> Dude, yeah, someone, someone, <laughs> someone inherited that company and was like, "Huh, I'm looking at these materials." Um, I really like cellular shade uh, blinds. I've, I just got me a set of those, and they they rise and fall freely, and they look great. Uh, so you get those before it's too late for the Memorial Day sale. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and I really love uh, shoes made of 
leather or other, uh, you know, legit materials. Shoes are made of such crap these days, aren't they? And I like a shoe that will get to know your foot over time. Nice. But I don't love any of that shit. As much as I love the Nats. Goodbye, people. Bye-bye. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.